Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Lock Foundation Disc Golf Weekly Podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor, and we are officially back in studio from USDGC week. Uh, it was a great week. We'll recap it here in a second. Um, but first, let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode. You know, it's spookier than seeing a black cat on Halloween. It's shaving down south with anything other than Manscaped. When it comes to below-the-waist grooming, there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is here to upgrade your grooming experience. Join the 2 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free worldwide shipping with the code GRIPLOCKED. Have you ever tried to trim down south and it turned into a Freddy Krueger film? Well, luckily, Manscaped is here to save the day and to make sure you're smelling fresh with their new refined body wash. Fellas, the ladies will love the signature scent and it'll scare away all those vampires. And don't forget to unlock your confidence with the performance performance package 4.0 inside you'll find the holy grail of men's grooming items and they've made it super easy for you to upgrade your grooming routine their finely tuned products feature a cutting edge ceramic blade that reduces grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology the lawnmower 4.0 is easily the greatest ball trimmer on the planet and did i mention it's waterproof as well this thing is a shower essential don't forget to get 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping with the code griplocked at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping with the code griplocked at manscaped.com. Huge thanks to Manscaped for supporting the show and supporting Disc Golf. Um, one quick note, Connor's not here. We do have Silas, though. Silas is mixing the show and uh, all of that fun stuff. So unfortunately, when we have our dark horse pick and stuff like that, Connor won't be a part of it this week. But we might just kind of put Silas on the spot, you know? What dark horse a- pick? Is there going to be a dark horse pick? We didn't really discuss the grounds for such thing. That is true because Connor's not here. Maybe we will make. Well, Connor automatically loses, well, no. and it's just it's who's, who's what, he buying a it's coffee? Because for. what event is next? Well, yeah, I just think we pick like whoever goes farthest. No, but like how, we don't. Well, we'll talk about that yeah, when we get to it. But that's we, not there's the gotta point. Be, there's there's got to be a dark horse. There's pick. nobody under a thousand rated. Who? Wait, who won the dark horse pick last week? USDGC for sure. For sure, Connor. You had Drew Gibson. Oh, yeah, Drew Gibson. Yeah. And who did you have? I had Clemens, and he played... So you lost. I had Marweed. So I was kind of somewhere in the middle. I, I mean, Clemens was in the... Where, was, where did Marweed finish? We'll look that up. Okay. First, let's throw Not it over. Not really important. <laughs> we'll look it up while we throw it over to us on the course for our on-course recap of uh, what went down out at USDGC. All right, we were in the car, headed to grab some lunch. We walked by the lunch concession stand, and the line was a mile and a half long, so... We're going to Wendy's, but super exciting finish for the Throw Peak Women's Disc Golf Championship. Came down to 17 and 18 as always. Both Missy and Valerie missed the island initially. Valerie was able to get it on her second throw. Missy got it on. Then Kona had a putt on 18 to put some pressure on Missy Gannon. She missed that, so basically Missy just walked it in, had herself a easy layup and tap out for the win. Huge congratulations to Missy Gannon, and uh, yeah, we're going to grab some lunch. Head back over for the MPO lead card. Tees off in about an hour. What a way to finish the week here at the United States Disc Golf Championship. Ended up going to a playoff between Paul McBeth and Kyle Klein. Uh, that playoff ended on hole one with a huge 30-foot putt from Paul McBeth. The gallery, the atmosphere was absolutely insane. If you were out and you came up and said hi to us, thank you so much. It meant the world. And if you were out here, you got to witness a great event. Be sure to all right, and welcome back. I don't know what I threw it to, but we're we're just going to go into a final recap. I'm hoping I didn't throw it into like a segment. You probably did. I probably did. We were so delirious on the I, course. You probably threw it to the prize picks breakdown. Yeah, but that's later in the show. So, uh, so maybe whatever, the old me whatever, was a liar. Yeah, don't listen to him. Uh, but we had a, a breakthrough 
while while we, y'all were gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and found out that Chris Clemens apparently popped off the final round. He shot a five under par. Let's go. Uh, to get to four under, whereas Andrew Marweed, who at one point was seven under par through like eight holes. This is something um, we never discussed, I just remembered, but I think before USDGC, we discussed, um, excuse me, what the, uh, <laughs> what the winning score was going to finish at, like to under par. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure, didn't you say, did you say, did one of us said like, I think I may have only said like 20 or 25. I feel like I said more than I that. Think, I think you said like 30 though, which ended up being really close. It was 26. Yeah. Was the winning score. Yeah, so I'm saying like it ended up being we ended up being pretty accurate though either yeah, way. Yeah, pretty close. Uh but so I'll owe I'll owe Connor some coffee. I am on a currently I am on a record streak, I'm pretty sure, of not losing dark horse picks. Like my curse has been just gone. Which is my great. curse was in full effect last week. We've talked I think we talked about it on round the prize three picks curse? No, everything. I would tweet about someone, they'd blow up. Yeah. I talked about Paige Pierce and Oh, it's she like blew is up. it is it cursing or just just bad anal, anal, like analytics at that point? No, it was cursing because I would tweet about someone and be like, dude, this person, all I would say is this person's having a that's great true. opening that's start true. of the you round and then they would take an eight. Yeah, that's true. That's a curse. That's, that's not an curse. analytics. No, that's I, was just stating a curse. A, I was stating a fact. That is very clearly witchcraft. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's it, what's the other? That's we, we are in October. That is textbook witchcraft. If this was the old age... You'd be floating down a river right now. I'd be dead. <laughs> You'd be bobbing down a river. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Let's look through the final round, okay? Because we were just walking this through, and I think that, and when we got caught up in the moment of like what was going on, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen on Paul's card, that we kind of forgot some big moments on like some of the earlier, well, not earlier holes, but fourteen and fifteen. So if throughout the round. Ricky, Joel Freeman, Kyle Klein were pushing like crazy. And what was cool about the tournament was there were so many people out there and so many people were following different cards that when you were on watching Paul's card, the lead card, I keep calling it Paul's card just because he won. Uh, When you're watching the lead card though, you could hear roars from different parts of the course and you would know, wow, something just happened. Mm -hmm. So for instance, Ricky eagled hole 10 or he might maybe miss the putt, but he put no, the he drive. It. Okay, yeah. It. So he put the drive and bounce was yeah. what was the roar. Mm-hmm. So when we were like, I was walking away from lead card to head to where we had like free food and stuff. Um, humble brag. I was walking away from lead card <laughs> towards that like tent by nine, and so I was like in between eight and ten, and we're walking. And as soon as we left the lead card on the tee, we just hear this thunderous roar coming from like in the distance mm-hmm. and immediately connor and i were like what the heck just happened as we pulled it up and we saw ricky yeah. was putting for eagle yeah i've never been in an event like that where like you had to constantly check you disc because you kept hearing roars from the crowd and being like something incredible the loudest one i heard was whenever we were all the way on 15 and that's pretty far away from hole seven where a b aced and it was loud yeah on, we were on hole one, I think we were waiting for Paul to tee yeah, off. Yeah, that's pretty far away. And well. it was carried across the water. You could hear the roar. And everyone was awesome. just like, what just happened? You all pull up U-Disc, and then you found the AB ace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was definitely amazing crowd out there. I heard someone comment, and they were like, yeah. They are like, I don't know why people are talking about the crowd. You, if you look at the coverage, there was like no one out there. Then maybe the coverage just had some bad angles. Because there, yeah, there was, was a, a lot, lot of people. people. I will people say... People were pretty well spread out, though. I, I was going to say, I will say, as the 
as the lead card round went on, people started to trickle away for mm. a few different reasons. One, because Joel, Kyle Klein, and Ricky were all the three players like the, pushing the lead, and they were all on chase that card. card. That that gallery was almost as big as the lead card gallery. Yeah. And then as the round really started to go on, people started to leave to try to get their spot on 17 and 18 because they knew it was going to come down to those two holes. So the only time you got the full view of the gallery was 18 in the playoff hole. Yeah, and it was mad. And it was huge. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah. Um, but speaking to the, what actually went down, we were thinking through like the putts that like everyone knows Paul hit to win was like 17 and 1. Those are the yeah, obvious ones. right. But if you go back, hole 14, he had a pretty big putt. I believe it was circle's edge, maybe just outside the circle. Yeah. Uh, hit that for the birdie. And it was uphill, uphill raised headwind. basket, headwind. So yeah. that putt was sick. Uh, which at the moment just felt like a cool putt. The crowd didn't go wild. Yeah. Then on 15, he didn't have the best drive, threw a bad roller trying to recover, threw another upshot. It was in a bad spot. For his yeah. par save, he was like backside of the woods, 50 footer the crowd couldn't really see where he was at the only way i've seen it is i went back to the coverage and could see like Mm -hmm. their camera angle he hit that putt again the crowd didn't really erupt because we didn't know how difficult it was at the moment and we didn't know how important it was at the moment yeah that i mean well i did i mean i remember when he made it i literally turned i said to connor i was like he would have lost the tournament right there if he missed that putt but it didn't feel like the winning moment yet because we no. all we all knew seventeen was coming. Right? Up. No, it didn't feel like the winning moment because yeah. Kyle was still in the course and Kyle hadn't gotten to seventeen yet. That's kind of why. But yeah. I I, I kind of knew I was like that was huge because it wasn't just score wise. That was momentum that would have just been a slap yeah. to the face. I remember feeling like it was a big putt, but I remember to me it wasn't. Well, he I also didn't, still I didn't had see how big it was until it went back down because he still had sixteen at that yeah. point. But then he missed sixteen. Sixteen, he missed a putt, but then seventeen. Hit a very clutch putt from about 60 feet, and then 18. That putt was in the air for so long. Yeah, it 17. was. Oh, my gosh. 18 I literally just went out. We were just watching it. We were we had the side angle, like, obviously, pretty much everybody did. And I just remember, like, out of his hand, all I watched was the height in relation to the basket. I was like, just stay in between there and to give me hope. And it was just, like, in all the it way. It just floated, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was incredible. And then 18 chained out for the win. Uh, from like 50 almost can't believe he missed that pony um and then hole one he hit like a 30 footer it was like circle's edge it was solid putt it was a very solid putt um but one thing that was interesting and part of the reason he even had that putt to hit on 17 was a live scoring issue Mm -hmm. and we talked about this some on debate night on ways to fix it brody hated my suggestion but i think you'll like it okay um but basically what ended up happening if you haven't heard is we were on the walk from 16 to 17. Paul actually came up to us and asked us what the scores were at. We showed him at that point, Kyle Klein was ahead of him by one. When is this? At, on the walk from 16 to 17, before anything happened with the scores. At that point, Kyle had his putt. He was up. He was, he was at... Um, he was at 26 already. Was, I, yeah, he yeah. was at 26. And, and he, he had was putting putt. for birdie from circle two. And yeah. so that's kind of where we were And Paul at. was at 25. Yeah. Under par. And so we're walking up to 17. When we get to the T of 17, um, the score had changed. And I believe Paul either didn't know this or had, I think someone told Paul. The score had changed to where Kyle Klein was now tied with Paul, I believe. Yeah, it started by making it tied. And then he went down 
a second stroke to 24. Yeah. Which and that then, one didn't, Paul didn't know. Right. This, so it, before Paul got to the tee, it's tied. Yeah. So Paul steps up to the tee thinking he's tied with Kyle. There's a safe shot. Once he gets on the tee, it goes to where he's in the lead by one. Yeah. And so we were standing there like, what do we do? Because yeah. that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> no, we were trying to like, we felt so bad because like he kept asking us. And we would like tell him. And then the second he turned away to throw his shot, it would change. We'd be like, um, uh, mm, Paul, Paul. We were like trying to get his caddy's attention. <laughs> but like we didn't want to like, you don't want to stop yeah. the guy on 17 before he walks up. To right. Throw. So ended up, so it had now Paul up by one, but Paul threw a safe shot on 17 because in his head, we all thought that the live scoring, the mistake was the circle two putt had already happened and that hadn't updated. No part did we think the score was changing and the circle two putt like was still a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were just thinking, oh, like he's now he's double bogey. Yeah, or I something. thought I thought he ran it OB, and then it, we were just waiting for it to update. To yeah, what happened exactly? And so we thought that was accurate that he was actually up one. So we were like kind of freaking out because, but Paul was already in his head playing kind of safe. But then as we walk down towards the green, it updates again and puts Kyle Klein back up. And so then Paul before the putt sees that and sees he's back to it put him all the way to twenty seven. That's one true. Point. Yeah, it put him to twenty seven. So We're, then Paul was like really confused. So Paul now in his head was like, "Well, crap! I have to make this." Yeah, he had given himself like a sixty footer and was like, "Well, now I have to make it because he, he threw the shot when he thought he was tied with Kyle, mm-hmm. and then now he has a putt when he thinks he's down one or two, hits that putt, incredibly that, clutch. That was the coolest putt I've ever seen in disc golf ever. Yeah, like, it it felt like so scenic oh my gosh that putt was awesome and then he comes off the green is talking to the udis guy the udis guy's kind of trying explaining what happened we weren't a part of that conversation but essentially going into 18 i think paul knew where he was at but was kind of didn't feel confident in it is where i understood yeah um and basically through the drive by the time he got up to his putt for the birdie he was confident where Kyle Klein was at. Yeah, they had entered it in. Well, the fact that the U-Disc team at a major is one person is pretty astounding. Well, yeah. So the, the issue was basically what was going on is they had Kyle's overall score right, mm-hmm. um, but they had a few holes entered wrong on yes, U-Disc. As they were going back. So as changing. they went back and changed it, like let's say hole one, I think he birdied and they had him at a par or something like that. As they went and changed those things, his score was updating real time. Mm-hmm. So as the person was going through and changing it, the score was updating real time. Right. Um, Brody's initial thought was like, it should be a way that you can go back and change it and then hit save and update all at once. And I was like, well, that would have sucked because like, let's imagine that Kyle Klein, his score really was two worse and Paul really was up one. And so the person's like updating it and is trying to fix it, trying to fix it. And it doesn't update till Paul's on the green or T of 18. And then, like, Paul was aggressive on 17 because he thought he was down one when really he was up one, like, in that type of scenario. Well, how is the scenario that happened any better than that? It could have been just as bad. Well, at least this was, like, cause where you're uncertain. You're like, okay, well, I just need something's to... Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Well, I maybe, need a birdie. Well, maybe... Versus thinking, like, oh, I have well, a lead when you don't. here's what really needs to happen. This is the better solution, is there needs to be somebody on that card with a radio talking to the UDIS guy so that he can tell Paul exactly what just happened. Like, yeah. That's well, here's here's my thing is whenever I've done UDISC in the past, I've only ever done it for Paul's cards. Yeah. Um, and Paul, every time, I don't know if he always tells the UDISC people this or if it's just because it's me. Yeah. But every time he's like, Hey, when we get to the next T, I need you to verbally ver- verify our scores. Oh, right. 
Yeah. And so basically what I was explaining to Brody, because Brody hates that part of verbally verifying scores on every team. Yeah. Why? I will never understand, but he does. So what I was explaining to Brody is I was like, in that case, what I would imagine is if I'm a random volunteer and I'm on a card with Kyle Klein, Ricky, Joel Freeman, and who was the fourth? Was it Eagle? I don't think it was Eagle. On the uh, chase, chase card? card? It was Drew. Did you say Drew? No, Drew is on lead. Oh, it was um, Ricky, Joel Freeman. Kyle Klein. Sexton. Sexton. Yeah. So if I'm on a card with those four people and I'm a volunteer, I'm not getting, like, if I get to hold two's T and I wasn't 100% positive what Kyle Klein took, I'm not right. being like, hey, Kyle, what did you take here? Well, yeah, that's why when I was when I was keeping, I did the U-Disc one round, and if I was unsure, I was asking Brody to check his scorecard to make sure yeah. that everything was But correct. that's what, what I think the rule should be is, like, the U-Disc person it's like a known thing of like when you get to the next tee, they're going to verbally say your score and you just confirm it. That honestly, that would honestly make it easier too because then the players don't have to ask each other if it's literally just the you disc yeah. guy's job to just say this, 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 and yeah, then they like, confirm it. Because then I can just be like, Paul, I had you at a two. Ricky, I had you at a three. Kyle, I had you at a two. And uh, Sexton, I had yeah. you at a three. No, and then if Kyle's like, no, I actually had a four. Yeah. Then, then you, you just update it right it. then and it's it's fixed. fixed. Yeah, I think part part of the well part of the problem is whenever you're dealing with volunteers, like you're gonna have this issue because either they might not like literally they're getting volunteers to do the scorecards like right before. Well, they're trying to get them in advance, but like I was chosen like right before um, Brody's card teed off. I didn't even have the UDisc Live app. I downloaded it right there and then yeah. first time I'd ever used it. So like that's the kind of scenarios we're dealing with, and they have like a training video you can watch. Obviously, I didn't need that because I know how to UDisc works, and it's pretty intuitive. But my whole takeaway was UDisc is a pretty big company at this point. They only had one person there at the entire event, as far as I understand, representing the a very crucial part of golf, which is keeping score. And so I think you've got to have. Because that the guy who ran UDisc, he would keep the lead card score because like he wanted to take ownership over that, which is, makes sense. But remember, the winner is not always involved in the, the lead card. I think UDisc needed at least two or three people to make sure that the most crucial cards of the day were covered. And also, I think having a radio would have been huge because we would have just immediately, right away, he would have radioed, "Hey, what's going on? What's going on with Kyle's score?" And they'd be like. Oh, he just missed a circle two putt. He he took paris at twenty six, and that would have been it. It'd have been over, no problem. Or even just get, even just have somebody on radio, even if it's not your own staff, to where you can just quickly confirm it, it's done. So I think that was kind of my takeaway. Was like I was surprised at how little staff you disc had, and maybe there's a reason for this. I don't know. Maybe I think like, it's just it's never been an issue before. Yeah, and even here it ended up well, not like, technically being an issue. It just could it, it could nah, have been. Yeah, it and it still was an issue. Well, it was, but because of Paul making the putts and it, still winning, it was one. It, of, it was kind of like a pragmatism thing where like the it did end up being justified because like it, they kind of got their butts saved by Paul winning, but it still doesn't take away the, from the fact that it there was even if Paul would have lost in the playoff, I think it still would have been okay if he would have if he would have parked right. seventeen. Right. would have been an issue well yeah the, the ending was justice but yeah. like it doesn't change that what happened like cannot happen you can't no. have a player who's in well, contention like, lead worrying about what a guy scores it's just like at college nationals years ago when the score on my card my card had two guys pushing for the lead yeah their scores were entered as my score so it was entered mm. wrong my my bogey was given to them their birdie was given to me yeah. on the live scoring app it wasn't caught immediately 
mm-hmm. and then the guy who was in the lead needed to hit the putt for the win or so, i forget exactly the situation basically he laid up thinking that he was fine because those two strokes were wrong he thought he could lay up and tap out for the win when he really needed to hit that putt to go into a playoff yeah. i think it was mm-hmm. and so he ended up laying up and tapping out and losing yeah uh and that was for a college national title which obviously is nowhere near as big of a deal but still an am major yeah if that happens for a world yeah. championship or something well and then like it seemed like like the whole thing kind of shook out to work but like, what if Kyle Klein's score would have been entered in completely wrong and Paul would have laid up that putt on 17? Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. In yeah, that case, there are just something things, like that happening would have been a big would have been a big issue. This was just like I think it's still, an avoided I, issue. Right. But it well, it's still a big issue. It just like I said, it just didn't end up yeah. causing them like they didn't end up facing any. Well, it gives them it gives them time to fix you're it right, now. Because right. it didn't end up being an actual right. storyline issue. They get lucky and survive because like here's the thing i udisc is a great product and the pro the app itself there's no problems with that and that's the hardest thing to do yeah is have a product that works and the udisc app works really well it literally updates super quickly like i used it and i was very impressed at how well the thing is the app itself didn't even fail it was just human error so that's that's exactly right so you the easy thing to fix is just have contingency plans for this kind of stuff because there's always going to be human error even if you are more staffed but i think you still should be more staffed and just have a plan for like that now hopefully the next time they show up to a major they'll be thinking about that yeah and they'll they'll think okay which i'm how sure they will I've, I've never seen a u-disc error happen and it not it no happened. yeah i've never no. seen it happen twice i i agree i just seems to be one of the companies that's doing everything right yeah in disc golf. i i completely agree i was it was very surprising to be like oh my gosh u-disc is in hot water right now because like they're consistently something that like i'm always very impressed and with. i will say there might have been something like you're talking about because the UDIS guy did talk to Paul before he teed on 18. Yeah. So he might have been able to get the we, information of the score that's in is right. It's all been fixed. Basically, this was going on. We weren't a part of that conversation. Yeah, we, so I don't know what was said, but the UDIS, the main UDIS guy did talk to Paul before he teed. And Paul, by the time he got to the putt, was confident in what needed to happen for him to win or like yeah. what. So. What you're saying could have happened. He could have radioed up to someone or right. whatever. My whole thing is like to avoid that whole issue to begin with, I just think the UDISC person should almost become like a part of the tournament where when you get to the next tee, they're the ones going hole one, blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. I, I, I think the only reason, like I said, the only reason that doesn't happen is because it's a weird dynamic when you just take a literally like they're you're taking fans out of the crowd and making them like. Well, that's what you need to tell them. A like rules official hey, essentially. Your job is on every tee. You need to call out each player and yeah. call out their score. If you if you tell them that, like that is your job, that's a different thing right. than like you but have some, to just assume. Like oh, some gosh. people are still going to be shy and not want to tell, like ask but Ricky if he just took a triple bogey. Like that's what's just going to happen. Sure, when but you're not I mean staffing people. Yeah, but like now, once since I've done it, now I know if I'm ever given you this, that's what I'm going to do. When I get to the next sandwich, be like, hey, I have you for this, you for this, you for this, you for this, and then done yeah because nine times out of ten you're tracking every throw you're gonna be right yeah almost every time i mean i was literally live tweeting at the same exact time and still didn't get it wrong like it's yeah it's just kind of one of those things and yeah. if i thought i had it wrong luckily for me i had brody there who i could just literally be like yeah was this, this is what you guys had and the other thing too is like if you're ever doing new disc and you are too you don't want to do the live like where you're talking to the players but you're not sure if you got it you can just be like, "Hey, can I just double check your scorecard for yeah, and yeah. just get the scorecard from the player?" And well, and it. and like, also, like, I don't. Hopefully, none of the disc golfers are going to get annoyed with a live scorer who is 
as long as all Literally. you're saying is right, right, right. Score. I'm just saying like they they can't get mad at somebody for trying to do like help out the tournament. Well, UDisc has like uh, they had like a sign for like I, I, which I thought was cool, like like what to do as like a score keeper, like what you should have, like how you should handle yourself on the course, which was like smart, I think, to like it would said things like uh, like let the players start a conversation with you. You know, don't like yeah. talk up a player because like. That would be a nightmare if you get a UDIS guy on your card who's just like a I'm huge sure it's fan. happened. Oh, I'm sure it happens all the time because they they're picking from the gallery who's watching your card already. So they're like typically probably going to be there's going to be a fan of somebody on there. So like you ask some guy who's like a lifelong Ricky fan, do you want to follow this be the UDIS card? And he's going to want to talk to Ricky. Like it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's one of those things where it has to be this way because we can't you can't expect you can't them have... to have a UDIS employee for every card. Exactly. Yeah, but. This is, I mean, and like it was one, it was literally one error this whole event that like, but it just could have been super costly. That's why it was a talking point. But typically, the UDIS system works just fine. We don't really have issues with it. Uh, I would say I was terrified every time you like click where the next shot landed. I would almost like my screen was wet because it was raining. I would almost tap like the wrong thing sometimes, and I was like. You know, it wouldn't really be a big deal if I accidentally hit the wrong button. You just go back and race it unless I accidentally hit in the basket on like a par four and everybody starts freaking out and I have to change it real quick because like yeah. everything's so just I was always like four. if there was something I was uncertain about with disc, I knew like especially because I was doing it for Paul's card or I think I might have done it for Brody's card once. But regardless, you know, people are watching those players. Right. So I, was, I was always doing it for a card where I knew people mm-hmm. were watching. So what I was always do is if if I was uncertain, I just marked it as the worst result. And then work your so way that yeah. that way I could get better. So like if I was like I don't know if that's circle two or circle one, I'd put them in circle two because like as a fan, I'm never gonna be upset when it goes from circle two look for birdie to circle yeah. one look for birdie. Mm-hmm. But if it's like circle one park for birdie, and it's like oh yeah, because that, circle that two. does happen sometimes, and that's super frustrating as a yeah. fan when you're following. Like, you'd be like oh yeah, like my guy's putting for for birdie to circle one, and then it moves to circle two. And you're like and oh you're my like, gosh, oh, dang it. Yeah, but when you see it circle two, circle one, you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, let's yeah, go. Oh, he's actually closer. So I, I did <laughs> always make sure if it was like something that's on the edge, I would never mark him OB unless I knew. Yeah. Like if it was, if I was uncertain on OB or N, I would wait till I saw it. But if it was like fairway or off fairway, I'd be like, I'll put him off fairway. And just yeah, it's also if I need to. a lot. It's also way safer to just wait until you see the shot if you're not sure. Well, that's what the lead cards, the main cards uh, for FPO and MPO. They had someone by the green radioing back to the UDIS guy. Mm. That one's in circle one. That one's in circle two. When was this? The whole UDI- USDGC. They did have somebody doing that? Yeah. Oh, back okay. they, had, uh, they had them. I think it was for the le- chase and lead. Um, they had someone walking at the like where the shots were landing with like a foam mm. radio thing. That's and smart. he would talk back and be like, circle one, OB, fairway, off fairway. So that the UDIS person just was just right listening away. and immediately That's did it. That's smart. Um, so that that was up to date because what also is happening right now is the commentary teams for the live broadcast are using UDisc mm-hmm. as their way to tell. Yeah, that's another reason it's so important. My and goodness. so because what happened is I think day one they didn't have that. Um, and so from what I understood, there were some times where like someone would mark it as circle two. And so the commentary would like look at it and see a circle two. But then, excuse me, the shot is showing it. Whew, clearly a circle one right. so like the camera angle is showing it's clearly circle one but you just is saying circle two and so the commentators were like which one do we say mm-hmm. yeah that, that's a super tricky for the commentators um with you especially especially too because you isn't super specific yet like i think it needs to be more specific but uh which that's also another odd thing that happened was uh the UDIS guy 
and I have nothing against the UDIS guy, by the way. Like I, I, I'm assuming he's like one of the head guys of UDIS. He was a nice guy, but he asked. He at one point he went walked up to Brody and asked him, uh, "Do you like, hey man, if you ever have any feedback for for the app, I, like I'd love to hear it. Like we love hearing feedback." And Brody immediately starts giving him feedback because you guys know Brody like he will tell you if he thinks like something is wrong with this golf so he immediately starts telling him uh like that he thinks the scramble percentage thing should be changed we cha- we've talked about that a little bit before about how it's a little inaccurate um and the guy just immediately gets super defensive and is like no no that's not right <laughs> it's like he didn't actually want feedback he just said that but that's funny yeah that was interesting now one thing that we have to have to have to talk about is kind of twofold it's the pay-per-view no oh, man um yeah. So we'll talk about the pay-per-view itself first, and then we'll talk about the coverage issues second. So the pay-per-view itself, it's happened, it's in the past. Um, I personally still think it was too expensive. They charged $25 for the base package, uh, got you all kinds of coverage and stuff. $100 got you the coverage plus all this extra like actual stuff. Um, I just, to me, so I, someone did bring up a good point. They said that they didn't think that the pay-per-view, because the biggest argument point was it's hurting the growth of the sport because people aren't able to watch it. Mm -hmm. He said he didn't think pay-per-view hurt the growth at all. Because people are already used to it? No, because he was saying basically the only people who are watching live are diehard fans anyways. It's true. So you're not excluding any new players from seeing this tournament by making it pay-per-view. Right. Is basically the argument. Well, but then I think... The counter argument would be, well, when it goes up on Jomez or wherever. Yeah, post production, he agreed with. He was just saying, like, live. if you're making no, it all live, I do agree. With then, that. if you're making the tournament all live, then you're not hurting it, whether it's twenty five dollars or five dollars. Just remember what was going on at the same time as the final round: college football. So, like, there, there, there's a lot of stuff to compete with. Like, live, you're, you're, he's right. Like, live disc golf. Maybe if it's worlds, like that title might like attract people to the name, but like. He's right. Like live, I don't think it it changed probably really anything as far as new players are concerned. Yeah. What my biggest thing, why I think it was too expensive, and I think personally, I think it ends up hurting Innova was just because, um, I think there's enough players who would have watched it that might be somewhat newer players, not brand new, like never heard of disc golf, but newer players that want to watch disc golf, or even players who more casually watch it. If it's a Ten dollar price point, they're buying it every time. Sometimes the newer players are more willing to fork over money. Sometimes for disc golf, they are. Though. Sometimes they are. But I'm just saying, when it's more just like the because if you think about twenty five bucks for everything you got, any other sport, any other yeah. that's it, not that's not a bad price probably, at all. It probably just depends on it depends like what kind of mind like there are a lot of people in disc golf who are just have a really like in with like they they think within the realms of disc golf. So like within the realm of disc golf, twenty five dollars is very expensive very expensive because like that's just not something we're used to in disc golf yeah outside of the realm of disc golf this is our this is the biggest event arguably in your sport all year and i only i'm paying like you know what six bucks around essentially that's nothing like yeah. sure six dollars that's like a cheeseburger <laughs> like that's that's a great deal so it is a tricky one My, but i just think it's the the shock value of the price of like if i tell you Hey, USCC is gonna be ten bucks. You get four rounds of disc golf. Well, it's a little, I think everyone like to me. My initial gut reaction is just like, oh, ten bucks, sure. But I hear twenty five right. bucks. It makes me stop and think for it for a second. And I'm like, do I really want to pay twenty five bucks to watch my, it? I would have, but I think the big thing to remember is because last year they charged a similar amount, didn't they? I think they charged ten. No, was it twenty? I think yeah, it was more than ten. 
because I remember thinking last year that the best value was the $75 that came with the disc. So it couldn't have been 10 bucks because that wouldn't have made any sense. It had to be 20 at least. My thing is based on last year, they have, they have data. They, they, there's two, there's two things in play here. Number one, it, it, they may just be that their hand is forced because of how much they're having to pay to run the event at Winthrop and just put everything on. So their hand might just be forced and that might be part of it. Um, there's a good chance that is part of it. And number two, now they have data from last year knowing how many viewers they were able to get at that price point. And they might, and we may have all talked up a storm last year, like blah, 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 blah. And then they might've seen their viewer numbers and be like, guess what? This is even more people than the Pro Tour Network gets. And they would have been like, we can probably charge even more than that. So at the end of the day, Innova knows. Like next year, if they do a pay-per-view again and it's $25 again, if they're smart, that probably means everybody forked over the $25. Like, and guess what? So they realized they I can charge I will say, it. I heard before the tournament, all the chatter was no way I'm paying 25 bucks. And then everybody watched it. And then after <laughs> the tournament, all the chatter was what the heck my live feed cut yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, how did you get that yeah, live, feed live feed if you didn't pay the 25 bucks? <laughs> yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. So if the price goes down next year, then maybe they're trying out that's the, my question, the model is, of can you get more viewers in at the lower that's price That's my point? question. Because I think what, what I think we're seeing is basically I think there was a bottom line that Innova had to hit, mm-hmm. right, of for covering all their expenses yeah. for the live coverage. Because I'm sure the event side, like selling tickets, they, they do a killing while they're vending, all that stuff. I'm sure like on the grounds, yeah. that stuff probably covers on the ground costs. But the live coverage, I think they had close to 20 cameras mm-hmm. for the Disc Golf Network. The Disc Golf Network only has like six of their own. Yeah. So 14 cameras and crew to run it. It's a lot. All that was coming from Innova, from mm-hmm. what I understand. Um, so to me, I'm wondering if like they looked at, hey, we got to put X amount in. We know diehard disc golf fans. We know there's X amount. Let's just for let's. This is not the number. Probably it's more expensive than this. But let's just say it's twenty five grand is what they needed to cover. Right. Definitely got to be more than that. But let's just say it's twenty five grand. Sure. And they're like, hey, we know if we put it at twenty five bucks, there's at least because the diehard disc golf fans, you could probably put it at fifty and people would still pay. Right. The diehards. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we know there's at least a thousand diehards out there. So if we put it at twenty five bucks, it guarantees us. We're breaking even. Right. So maybe that was their To where there's no risk. Whereas if we put it at 10, we need now 2,500 people to buy. Yeah. To where now there's that risk of that extra 1,500. Are they still going to buy? Right. To where I think that's kind of what we were seeing was like Innova was was having a risk-free business play versus like putting putting basically the risk on like, well, do you want to watch the tournament or not? Versus a risky play of we could make more money, but we could also lose money if we put it at 10. That's smart. I think that's what was going on. I also think, and this is because like, here's the bottom line is like, (laughs) this happens a lot in sports where a pay-per-view event goes up. A good example would be like, uh, like a Jake Paul fight or something. And everybody is talking about, uh, there's no way I'm paying this and that. Yeah, I'm not the paying la- 60 bucks to watch event, Jake Paul The last fight. event was so bad. It was practically a concert. Like there was barely even a fight. I had to wait till one in the morning, like blah, blah, blah. Not paying that money. And then you're sitting there. It's getting later. Everybody's starting to talk about it on social media. And all you t- you're alone. Nobody has to know that you, you did it. And all you have to do is just click, click. And now you're watching. And like... <laughs> Guess what? I mean, if you clip that little segment right there, you could be talking about anything. I'm just saying, listen, I'm just saying, like, it. all those people that were talking, I have a sneaky suspicion that most of them ended up being like, oh, oh my sure. gosh, it's coming. I guarantee, Especially as it came down the stretch. That's what I'm saying. I guarantee you, like, if I was, if I was, like, not buying it, and then all of a sudden I looked up and was like, oh, my gosh, like, 
it's the final round, final nine even, final four holes even, and Paul is in, in contention to to come back and win. Well, here. there's four people in contention right, right. now. I would I would have I would have paid twenty five dollars on hole sixteen to watch. That's the what I'm saying. Is I think people did. Yeah. Um. And, which leads us into the next. Yeah. Thing. Which <laughs> the next thing I'm trying to bring up the statement here, but basically from what I understand is the live coverage itself was going fantastic. Yeah. Multiple people were saying they're getting more coverage than ever. The stream was the best quality it's ever been. Um, you know, there were some of the like typical complaints, but as far as the like amount of coverage we saw, like people were seeing, we obviously didn't get the chance to see it. We just saw tidbits. I, I watched little bits of it. It did look great. It looked fine. Yeah. Uh, but people were saying, basically people were gassing it up, saying how great it was until it wasn't, which was whole 17 final when it, round. When it mattered. When it mattered. Basically, from what I understand, 17, 18, and the playoff hole, the stream was out. Um, now, what's Such weird is some people, some people are saying they were on their desktop, and it went down on 17, they got it back. and they exited out, signed back in, and refreshed, and they picked up with Paul on the tee of 18, and they were able mm. to watch it. So, it's hard to know since we weren't actually watching it. doesn't really it. matter at the end of the day, though. <laughs> but regardless, enough people... The stream cut out for everyone. Some people yeah. were able to get it back. Enough people weren't right. that it caused a little bit of a ruckus, if you would like to say. Um, and the issue here is basically it's twofold, right? Because I think mm-hmm. the issue of it going out was amplified because of the price, the $25 price. Well, that it, that was like so. Basically, this is like everybody who we just talked about who was like, "I'm never buying that," and then did buy it. This was them like, "Yes, I now have another reason to complain about the exactly. stream that I said I wouldn't buy." So, like, it was like them feeling they were proven right. But well, the issue with that is people were directing all the hate of the the stream going down towards the disc golf network. Which the stream going down, that's where the hate should be directed. Sure. Yes. But the hate was fueled by twenty five bucks towards the disc golf network when the twenty five bucks is actually coming from Innova. Yes. So, like, Innova was kind of getting off scotch-free a little bit in that little heat segment because, right. like, G- yeah, when they you were say- upset about the stream going down. But the reason, like, if you if you're watching it free, people would have been upset. Yeah. But you wouldn't have been nearly as upset as if you paid twenty five bucks. Right. So the people were getting more mad because of how much they had paid, and they're directing all the heat towards the Disc Golf Network. Yeah. When Which Disc Golf Network does deserve a lot because yes. they they mess up the stream, and also Disc Golf Network at the end of the day did agree to the twenty five dollar price point. Like that had to be part of their agreement. They said we can give you a stream that will not fail for $25. Like we're going to deliver you this product. So it's both their faults. And But either way, Disc Golf Network is in hot water for that because that you just can't do that. Like that, that is like considering that your company and us along with it advocate for live disc golf as the future and talk live, live, live. It is so good because everybody gets to watch it together and see it as it's happening. And then it didn't happen when it mattered like that. I could not think of a worse scenario, basically. Like, that was a nightmare for them. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of... They put out a long statement, um, but there's Gosh. basically... they In this long statement they put out, they said there are two issues that were distinct, and they've been working since to determine what happened. Here's what they know and what their plan is to address it. So first, there was a widespread internet outage in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area that affected the control well, room... There's just a whole problem. ...of right the there. Disc Golf Network studio headquarters there early in the round. This caused the team on the ground at Rock Hill to lose connection with the control room... From just before the lead card played hole three until the lead card was on the green of hole four, this outage may have affected some viewers longer, depending on which app you were streaming from, as the apps had to reboot and restart the live stream. Second, later in the round, there was a spike in viewership, what we just yeah. talked about, yep. that as we currently understand it, triggered our live stream vendor to restrict viewership level- levels from the stream, as they reported to us. 
The issue is harder to diagnose and was unfortunately out of our control as it was happening. Our our vendor, Vimeo, provides the content delivery network that formats and delivers our video for streaming across all apps and platforms. They're reporting that the issue at the end of the round streaming from an automated system response meant to protect the broadcast from an attack triggered by the spike in viewership subsequently stopping the stream for some viewers we'll know more soon we have heard varying reports for the length of time before viewers are able to find the stream again which was saying from refreshing reconnecting immediately it's not being able to connect until after the finish to seeing the finish it's entirely and uninterrupted while some viewers were not affected we are extremely disappointed and frustrated the issue affected any of you because we know these are crucial moments of a live event that you were not able to view so that's what i suspected was that spike that's what i suspected. basically what they're saying it's a roundabout way it's a similar thing that happened to us with our like paypal where um the hold with me here <laughs> where basically systems like cybersecurity systems and stuff like that they have set up to where when there's an unusual spike yeah uh they view it as uh Potential attacks attack, happening yeah. um like some type of like bots hacker something's going on that's wrong and so for the safety of the data and everything of the pro tour and the data and everything of whatever they cut it off until they can diagnose and figure out and make sure it's fine worst possible time for that to happen uh but that happened with like our paypal was a similar thing we just had a sale when we like first opened foundation we were doing like nothing 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 had a like paul signer sale spike paypal cut off our account for a year and a half i remember that yeah because <laughs> so basically funny. paypal thought we were like <laughs> doing some that. type of like credit card stealing but it's a similar yeah. type thing where it's just an automated bot, mm-hmm. right? Who is there just to detect like an attack before it happens and cut it off. And so that's what it seems like happened was yeah. everything's going good. As we approach 17, tons of people pay 25 bucks because they want to watch the final yeah. and the viewership or you already had paid, but you weren't watching viewership spikes. <sighs> that spike caused Vimeo to cut it off. Yeah. Pro Tour has out. this issue like continually where as they're they're live just keeps like having these like rapid growths where they just keep running into the wall of where their technology has limits and like over and over again to where this is just gonna it just keeps happening and it's it's also really tough for them when like they probably were getting more viewers than they would normally ever get with that spike like I, i bet their viewership was like super high like compared to just a normal pro tour event so it's it's just it's tricky for them too and like also like they're not even on site yet i mean if that's true if what you just said is true, then we're talking 15,000 people paid 25 bucks. Is that what they're getting on uh, live? If you said it's a lot more than a normal one. It's, I would be curious. I would be so fascinated to know the I'd numbers. be shocked if it was even 10,000. I think we're talking a spike of 3,000 to seven. But it's just like yeah. it happened at once. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of impossible to predict like live disc golf because it's just super inconsistent. Yeah, because I will say like viewers. on YouTube and stuff when they have like spikes, like when they're at their peak, it doesn't all happen at once. It'll start, the round will start at like 5,000 and then by the end of the round, it might be at 10 or like worlds where like 15 right. or 20. But it was a like gradual thing. I think, I I think, think this, this one... what happened was like people just tuned in and spiked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we were thinking on the ground might have happened because all we had heard was that it went down right we didn't hear anything behind it so we were on 17 what i thought and i don't know if this i don't think this played anything into it now hearing that explanation but what i thought might have had part of it was i know earlier in the week they had said like told spectators if you could keep your phone on airplane mode as much as possible yeah 17 18 in the playoff hole everyone's posting on their story right everyone was on social media everyone was using data and everyone was in one exact spot yeah so i thought that might have had something to do with it doesn't sound like it it sounds like it was just a vimeo like 
No, it couldn't have helped. But it sounds like just a Vimeo, uh, like, awful time yeah. to stop it. It's just like one of the, and it's one of those scenarios where it's like, it's just the worst possible time to like, it's probably a mistake that they may, maybe couldn't have ever foreseen. And it just happened to occur at the worst possible time. Cause like they'll, they'll learn from that mistake and it'll be fixed. Yeah. But it's just like that. The other thing that, the other thing that sucks was, so basically in the part of the pay-per-view package, which you got like post-produced coverage um, of the actual tournament through the disc golf network. So some people were paying for it, and they weren't going to watch it until the post-produced yeah. version. So they were waiting until the next day to consume disc golf mm-hmm. how they normally consume it. But then the Pro Tour basically scrambles because we know it goes down. Enough people are complaining. We need to get the playoff and everything out to people. So what they did is they scrambled, and within within the hour, I think, they had 17, 18 in the playoff hole all cut together, the live stream all cut together, and they emailed the link out to everyone and said, here are the final few holes and the playoff. Yeah. And then I saw people complaining because they were like, I was waiting to watch it in post. And then, because mm-hmm. like what we get mad about is when people go on social media and are like, oh my gosh, you spoiled the event. And it's like, right. you're on social media. It's a little different when, when your it's phone's in your, yeah, when sitting it's in there. your email inbox. That that's, yeah, and you get an email that says like playoff and you're like, well, now I know it goes yeah. to a playoff. I, res- I respect you if like you're trying to avoid it and then it just ends up in your email inbox. It's not your fault. Yeah, and that's totally a scramble move. Like we would have done the same thing, probably. Yeah, because you know, they were just freaking out trying to right. get people who were and messed up. It may have even they may have, even if they thought about that, they may have still been like, you know, we just need to like make sure people know that what they're getting in their email because there's going to be more people that just need to see this than are going to be mad about the spoilers. Might have been something like that. Doubt it, but yeah, I thought that was like a funny little cherry on top of the whole situation. Yeah. It was just a tough thing, and it, 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 the toughest part for me is it the disc golf network has done such a good job year round. I know. And there, I think there was a lot of people that this was their first, like they they're like, well, I got to watch USDC. And so this is their like first experience to disc golf network. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to get those people back. It is for, for the disc golf network. It is. Um, I do. This might shock people. Um, personally, I do not agree with the pay-per-view model for the majors for tournaments. Um, in this sense, I don't mind pay-per-view in the sense of like, if you want to watch it live, you got to pay. But I don't like where pay-per-view completely eliminated post-production, personally. Um, People, I think, are probably shocked by that. But uh, my whole thing is, if we go to the post-produced versus live, post-produced needs to exist to get new players, but it should all be under the Pro Tour. If that makes sense. Yes. That's my whole take for the whole season. But in this event, it doesn't matter who's doing post-produced. I think it's important for this tournament. Uh, It's such a big tournament. It's always an exciting finish. It's some, I, I would imagine it's some like, it's always my favorite tournament to go back and watch. Maybe that's why I'm partial to this. But like, I hate the fact that next year I can't just go on YouTube and watch this year's USD. It's kind of an interesting discussion as far as getting, like, I think the biggest, I think post produce as far as like the growing the sport narrative. I wonder if you get to a point because like, I would like to see all post produce under the Disc Golf Network to where like you're a disc golf network subscriber and that's how you get post-produced too. Like that's part of what you get. Cause in my mind, and this is an interesting discussion we've never really talked about. You may disagree, but in my mind, if I'm a new disc golfer, there is enough disc golf on YouTube right now to get me into the sport enough to where if I want to follow, I'm going to fork over the little subscription to get the, what's currently happening. There is so much disc golf coverage on YouTube that even though it's not the most current, if it wasn't rather, I think there's, so much on there that it'll get it would get me invested enough in the sport to where then I would pay for. Well, what's the tough part happening. is if stuff's not continuously coming out, it'll get lost in the algorithm. 
Yes, yes. And well, but there's always going to be something. It's just maybe not for like the biggest pro tour events. Maybe, That's true. maybe they start putting silver series on YouTube. I think there's a balance there, but like, cause I remember when I got into this golf, all I did was watch every single. No, I've seen, find. I've seen so many rounds from right. years and years so ago. I, I think it, it'll get to a point where you can make that jump and say all the post producers on under your, the pro uh, tour network because then that becomes a little bit more of a part of what you're paying for. I understand that. I don't mind and, that. Yeah. And then, cause like there's so much disc golf on YouTube, like you can still, you're still going to, if you search disc golf on YouTube, because you're trying to get into the sport, you're going to find plenty these days. And, and companies like Joe Mez, like us are making content that is more than just coverage as well. So I don't, yeah, I think there is a time where that, that switch can be made and, and made easily. Interesting. Interesting. I've never thought about it going all under, still behind the paywall. That is an interesting take. I wouldn't even hate. I wouldn't even hate. I don't think I mind it. I've just never thought of it. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even hate the Pro Tour Network signing with Joe Mez to have Joe Mez do the post produce and it just goes under, like. Uh, yeah. I don't. It'd be interesting. I, I have heard they're gonna, multiple times where Joe Mez has been offered to come under different umbrellas, they don't do become it. live. But the thing is that, like, Joe Mez is a very smart entity and they basically are saying. What I think is going to end up is like if if you want something like that to happen, you got to slam the door. Exactly. Yeah. Because I don't think Jomez is big enough now and smart enough that like they're only going to do it if their hand is forced. Yeah. And Pro Tour knows they can do that. They just have to wait until they're big enough and secure enough to be able to slam that door and know that nothing is there's going to be no revolution that yeah. goes on. And mostly what that has to do with is having big enough purses. Right now, their purses are not quite now they're getting there very quickly because obviously this you know this pro tour finale purse is huge yeah it's massive. but they're getting there but right now their purses are not big enough to where if they were to do some crazy big shake-up moves like that and there could be other forces that be that put together events and try to like revolt because like there have been way bigger leagues in the pro tour that have been challenged by other leagues like the nfl and the nba like this stuff happens all the time, and it usually ends in one one of those leagues winning and a merger, which we kind of just saw happen with the Pro Tour and the National Tour a little bit. Uh, this this is just a common thing that happens in sports. But, yeah, the, the Pro Tour, I don't expect them to just slam the door yeah. because they've been doing everything kind of well, methodically. That's, what I, that's one thing that I don't like, I didn't like about the USDGC coverage-wise, is it, it did kind of slam that door to where there's like even if i would be okay with holding the post producer for 30 days i would rather see the month delay i agree and then because there is a month delay but the month delay is being released like you're saying it's going to disc golf network subscribers it's never going to youtube from what i from what i've understood i could have that wrong i I, know you're right i'd be lying though if it didn't put a little smile on my face to see that the pro tour finally said no you're well the pro tour didn't end of it did well right but somebody did it like it kind of i was kind of like i will say (laughs) like i will say (laughs) The disc golf world who is against all of that, this should have been an eye-opening experience just because Innova and USDGC are always, if you like, from my experience at least, historically, they've been the ones that have done something first, and if it works, the rest of the disc golf world adapts it and brings it in. Yeah. That's happened on several different things, um, and with coverage and stuff like that, especially... We typically see, like, one thing that I think that they did this week that is going to happen in the rest of the disc golf world is there was professional security. Yeah. And I think as tournaments get bigger, USDGC was the first one that just did it. 
that I know of. I'm sure. And I'm, I think that's something that's going to slowly be brought in the rest of the disc golf yeah, world. Yeah, as the events get more spectator heavy, I'm sure the Pro Tour, that'll be something they'll look into. Yeah, and I think that's it. But the stuff like that is stuff that USDGC does first. They're like the innovators in the sport in a certain way. Some things they adopt, like the mozzarella sticks that like, please don't let the rest of the Pro Tour do yeah. it. But it also, at the same time, wouldn't surprise me if it started happening. Yeah. But USDGC tries something, lets everyone see. And if it works, like if this pay-per-view model killed it, then could see it more, we could know. see it more and more. Uh, because people inside that are in the need to know, know the numbers that right. Innova just pulled in. Right. And so if it's like a, holy cow, like that's a, like if you're like what you're saying, like that's the same amount as watching on, you know, the Disc Golf Network regularly. Yeah. Like we could do that for worlds easily and have it. Yeah. Then you might start seeing that. If you hate that, then you shouldn't have paid the 25 bucks. But yeah, like here we are. It. If you go to USGGC, you realize pretty quickly that like the guys running that event, there there's some stuff that makes you scratch your head, but for the most part, like they're not there's no dummies running that event. Like the Pro Tour network, like if you one thing I'll say about the Pro Tour after all the slander is like watching them, they were they're an incredibly professional company. You see they're, they're well-oiled machines. Yeah, their camera guys look professional. They looked like they knew exactly what they where they needed to be, like they were on a mission out there. They dealt with the weather. They all seem to be in sync with each other on radio, dressed all in uniform. Like the Pro Tour Network looked like they were handling business out there. So like they're the guys running these things in disc golf these days are are starting to become no joke. Like they're really getting good at it. So they're not just gonna throw up like random pay per views and, and policies and things and just like have no reason for it. Yeah. Usually. So it's yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, because that that is I, I don't know. I just think that we normally USDGC is always that event that tries things, and if it works, basically it's throwing it at a wall, kind of strategically. It sticks. And if it sticks, then it's going to kind of slowly morph into the rest of disc golf. Yeah. So uh, definitely an interesting tournament. One other thing that happened um, is the Dean's Cup. We won't go into too much results, but I did have a chance to talk to the winner, Missouri S and T, after they won it at a four-hole playoff over Liberty University. So let's actually throw it over to that interview where we talked with. Uh, Missouri S and T and heard their thoughts on their win. And there you have it, 2021 Dean's Cup champions, Missouri S and T. Let's grab them, hear their thoughts on what just went into that playoff and that win. And I'm joined here by the winners of the 2021 Dean's Cup after a thrilling playoff, Missouri S&T. First off, just walk me through this final hole. You step up to it. It seems like a relatively short hole. Are you surprised this is the one that ended it? Um, I am surprised. I'm surprised because I thought we should have lost it on the hole before. But Carl here <laughs> makes a great putt. Um, I know this course is temp, but yeah, it was shocking. Such a short hole. We haven't played that all week. So definitely a weird way to end it. No, for sure. Now, you just mentioned Carl's clutch putts. If you have to have a moment of the day, moment of the round, what would you say, you would say, if you looked back, this moment won it for us. Can't choose the playoff putt because that's too obvious. I've got two. I'm going, I'm going. Cam's upshot on 18 put us to like 15, made that putt easy. I'm bad at putting, so we needed that. Or, once again, MVP, his putt on 14 on the raised basket to, to, to grab a stroke. MVP. 
Or the approach shot on 13. I don't know. What we're hearing here is big time players make big time plays, and we're surrounded by big time players. Congratulations, guys. Good luck the rest of the season. All right, and welcome back in. Uh, Dean's Cup was quite the event. Such an awesome thing for college disc golf. And we'll also be cover covering more and more college disc golf as the season goes on. So um, if you want to keep stay up to date with that, be sure to keep tuning in here. But let's throw it into a segment that we had all USDGC. And we're going to have at least one final time here. We were doing Electric Moment of the Day because it was daily episodes. Now we're going to Electric yeah. Moment of the Week. Last week, USDGC week. Let's hear from Trevor first. Your Electric Moment of the Week. What was it last week? My electric moment of the week, and this may have also been influenced because I was like in the best mood ever because I was uh, like coming off the high of Paul McBeth just taking down a sick win, like about to go home and finally get to see my wife again. Like I'm just in a good mood. So, but it was the distance showcase. The distance showcase is something I've always, I've seen in person once before at least partially i've seen on youtube a bunch like there's like that famous video of calling throwing it in the pink basket that, like a lot of people have seen uh in person it is just a modern marvel to watch these people throw discs so they throw off this platform uh that's like in front of the clubhouse and it goes over it's really high up and it's like behind to the right of 18's fairway and you go over try to throw over the lake of hole five and um, it's kind of a competition, but at the same time, it's kind of just like, you know, double G's up there throwing his jerky into the crowd. Like, it's just kind of a fun time. It sounded like a metaphor, but it that's did. really is it, what happened. It, it, he owns a jerky company. <laughs> he was, he was actually G throwing jerky. bags of jerky into the crowd. Um, but you had DJ Hecky up there just absolutely laying it down on the turntables, and it was electrifying. And just watching some of these players just, I mean – Especially watching, I think Eagle was probably my favorite to watch. Eagle ripped a forehand across the he lake. He threw a forehand, like pretty flat forehand, to be fair, across the lake when like a lot of people were, like they were all kind of struggling to get backhands over it. And the, they whatever the disc they gave him was super flippy, so they had to throw it really high, which actually ended up being super entertaining because I, don't, I didn't even think a disc could get that high in the air. It looked like a plane up there. <laughs> yeah. And oh, it's just so cool watching pros throw with just reckless abandon. Like they just don't even care. It it was a lot of fun. It was amazing. The distance showcase rocked. That was definitely a great moment. My my electric moment of the week was Paul's putt on seventeen. Definitely simply the best because putt. definitely the best putt. It the crowd was all on the on seventeen. We were like kneeling down on the hillside, and then that putt goes up and it's just in the air for seemingly forever, and then it finally hits the chains. And like I yelled as loud as I possibly could, and I couldn't, couldn't even, even like hear, hear myself yelling yeah. because of how loud the crowd was behind me. It was just, it was one of the like louder roars I've heard in person it in a long time. It might have so just been because sick. I haven't really been to a live sporting event in a long time, but True. <laughs> but geez, it was incredible. And I mean, when he the putt to win was also very loud, and like yeah. we we were blessed with the most probably iconic picture of our sport. Yeah, uh, from that putt. But like, I think the putt, it, on, the, the putt on seventeen, cooler. I think was a cooler putt. And in the moment, I feel like it. It didn't feel like a bigger moment because we knew he hadn't won yet, but we knew if he missed it, he was losing, basically. Right. Which probably isn't actually true, but it felt like it, it was true. Like, it was it was huge. And yeah. like he turned to the crowd As and he like, was running fist it pumped in. and yeah. like everybody's freaking out. Like that hole is so scenic. Like I'm pretty sure if I had that much adrenaline going, like, I can't even imagine 
if I had that much adrenaline going through my body, I think my I would explode. Like <laughs> I can't imagine what that's like. But yeah, it was so sick. It, it was like it just it just lo- it just reminded me so much of like a Tiger Woods moment. Just like everything about it, like it was amazing. Oh my gosh, it was so cool. Yeah, it was sick. Uh, we're gonna tag in Silas here. Silas, what what was your electric yeah. moment of the week while we were gone? <laughs> oh boy. Well, I don't know if I can top those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear you try. But we'll see. <laughs> so so while y- y'all were gone, you know, I was here. I was running the uh, the well oiled machine that we got going, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, I, I can't break our tradition uh, of going to Sheets for lunch. Okay, yeah. so, so I had to go to Sheets. He, he all right? carried, carried the weight yeah, for I, us. I carried it on, carried the tradition on. And um, Sheets has the rewards app, you know. You, oh, we you know about the yeah. Sheets card, you know. We're, you know? we're well aware. Sheets, and, if you're listening to this, so please for, do something. <laughs> <laughs> so for the first time ever, I redeemed a free cookie had yeah. sheets i bet that was the best cookie 250 points man best cookie best <laughs> that purchase that is a steep amount of points it's a for big a cookie. cookie it is a big, a big cookie, cookie. It, is a, it is a very it's big, a cookie. big cookie keep in mind listeners so so i don't know if that's more electric no but, that actually is your first like, sheets redemption is like a it's very a special big moment, moment because did you, did you get a picture with the cookie uh, i i should have i really should have what kind of cookie was it Chocolate chip nice. has, to, has to be. We know we know it wasn't oatmeal raisin. Yeah, because they don't have those. <laughs> but wow, yeah. I just looked at my sheets points. Nothing I am tastes up good to like... a free bag of mini hash browns. I think I'm probably around two fifty right now. I'm at three hundred. So. I had a ton and then I spent them. I, I always use them. I use them way too often. But with that being said, let's throw it into the fan favorite segment of Trevor's trivia. What you got for me this week, Trevor? All right, short and sweet because I knew we had, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Um, but I thought this was an interesting. Uh, question because I was looking at the Pro Tour Championship. They're calling it the Pro Tour Championship right now. Oh, it's not calling the finale. I believe it's the. I, believe I love it's that. The You're right. It is the Pro Tour Championship. I just call it the finale because I'm a I stupid boy. I kind of like the name finale. To be fair, I think they changed it, but like championship is fine, obviously. But I kind of did like finale because it was kind of different. But I digress. Uh, so I was looking through uh, the players that were in the. Uh, the bracket, and then I I wanted to check the rankings. I accidentally went to the UDISC rankings instead yeah. of the Pro Tour rankings, and I was like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. And then I thought, oh, that's an interesting question. So my question is, which player in both the MPO and FPO brackets has the worst UDISC world ranking? Oh, that made the finale? And then you can try and, like, you can try and guess, like, what their ranking is. Because, like, for reference, obviously, there's only 32 players in the MPO field and I believe there's what half of that in the FPO field 16 so these players are their world ranking is considerably further out than that but by playing consistently well and just playing all of the uh, pro tour events that you're, you're still able like there's enough players that aren't touring to every event that you can have a worse world ranking than guys and the international players too and you can sneak into this can I pull my bracket up absolutely like not names okay um, because it's got to be like thirty second place. I, I only say that because you there. did just look at your bracket like an hour ago. So yeah, like, but I don't remember. I don't remember who's far down. Um, jeez, jeez, jeez. I've got to go with. Um, dang it! I was gonna say Earhart, but I think he's not in it. No, he's not in it. <laughs> I think he was in it last year. Yeah, I'm throwing I, mean, off. I think he was in it last year. Not in it. 
I'll give you if you can't really can't think of a name. I'll give you one hint. Give me a hint. Same team as Earhart. That's a pretty good hint. Is it though? There's tons of Discraft oh. players there. I got it. it. Yeah, but that's a great hint. Like that narrows it down. Probably like a third of the or two thirds of the field. I mean, part. I could think. Uh, so I'm thinking like Presnell or Callaway, but I feel like they're both far up. It's neither of those two. Yeah, I'm say I think they're both pretty far up in the world ranking. Um. All right, one more hint. Cool nickname. Mustache. Oh. Mm, no. Mustache. It's not. That's a good guess, and I think he is. I think he's the second highest. Cool nickname. I'm gonna feel so stupid when I hear it. And also. Not on Team Discraft, the guy who you were just thinking of, I don't think. Brody said mustache. I think he was thinking of C. Monty, but... No. Okay, never mind. What is going on? This uh, guy cool has a nickname. really cool nickname, and it's based after... I think I think like his, like... I'm not even going to say that, because I don't know that for sure. Brody also played with him during the... Oh, USDC. Chandler Fry. Chanimal. Chanimal. I I did, I wouldn't. To be fair, I I was just saying it because you said USDC. He was I, really, I do not win that. One. He was a really sneaky one. He was, he's ranked sixty sixth in wow. the world. Wow. Tim Barham is not in this bracket. No. Um. On the FPO side, Dan Carey. No. Dang it. It's Cat Merch. Really, she's low in the world rankings. She's ranked thirty second. Really in the world, and then she's yeah. Six, was she in the? I she I think she was one of the. I have it pulled up here. She is the 14 seed, so she's not even the because like Holly Finley I think wow. was the second, and she was like 28th. But uh, Deanne Carey, I'm pretty sure. Unless let me make sure I didn't make a mistake. Let me make sure I didn't skip over Deanne Carey, but I'm pretty sure she was. Yeah, she was 25th. Wow. Okay. Cat Mersh would not have guessed that. Didn't guess it. Mm-hmm. So I went over two there. Yep. Uh, the other place I went 0 for 2 was prize picks last week. Uh, but let's get into the <laughs> prize picks breakdown. Uh, if you want to head over to prizepicks.com, they're the first to offer daily fantasy for disc golf. And you can use code GRIP to get 100% match on up to your first $100 on your first deposit over at prizepicks.com. So basically, you deposit 50 bucks, you get another 50. Now you're playing with $100 prize picks. Uh, you basically pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections, which they have finishing place and round score going on right now. And you can win up to 10x on any of your entries. Uh, we did this every single day at USDGC. Um, and the only one that hit for me was my debate night pick, which was the finishing place. That's um, impressive, though. Wait, you got the. Did you get three for three on that? No, I went two for three. Oh, well, I went technically one for three, but Ricky that, tied. Oh, uh, uh, okay. So I went one for two. So he all was, in all, it just didn't work out. But you had him but under three. I had under didn't three, you? and he finished third. So you needed him coming first or second. Yeah, which I thought he was going to win when I made the pick. pick. When that I made the pick, I thought he was going to win. That's just not how you like. It's just not how you make picks. Though. Well, it worked. So it didn't. He tied. Suck it. it didn't. It was not a winning. Pick. Uh, the other thing that did not win <laughs> was so. Here was my logic. You were all a part of it. Were we? Uh, yes, because everyone, everyone was patting my back saying it's a great pick. Which one? My, my final five. So I took, oh, I took, no, I everyone, I took everyone that was <laughs> in contention on the under because I'm like, someone's going to win. Yeah. The un- and people are going to push for the win. The under has seemed, to hit. It seemed great. So I took the Chris Dickerson under 59. He shot a 66. I took the Drew Gibson under 61. He shot a 62. I took the Paul McBeth under 58 and a half. He won and shot a 62. I took the Ricky Wysocki under 58 and a half. He shot a 59. 
So I missed all four of them. The you only stink. one that hit was I took the Adam Hammers over just because I needed to have an over. And I was like, well, I'll just throw him in so I can get four out of five with my unders. I'm awful. Not good. I'm absolutely terrible. I actually ended up going two in a row to finish my, my week. Thank I you. The, both of them were only three for five flex plays. So like you technically just kind of reclaim credit, but you didn't actually like come out on top. But they were technically still winners. Um, I had the Missy Gannon under hit by just a half a stroke there. I had her at 68 and a half, and she shot 68. Kevin Jones over, That's that was just it's too easy. He shot a 75, and I had him over 61. <laughs> <laughs> and the Coling over, 62 and a half, and he had 67. But then I missed the Dickerson, like you did, uh, and then I also missed the Paul, like you did. Yeah. So I really was feeling confident about that, and it did not work. Now, going into the... Uh, Pro Tour Championships. Basically, what's going to be going on is they are going to have the strokes um, for each round, and then they do have finishing place lines up. So right now, it's just the MPO uh, stroke for round one because I don't think FPO plays day one because the MPO has an extra round. Um, so I'd imagine they're going to have some FPO lines. So basically, as the bracket narrows, different names will come in and out. Um, but right now, they have uh, Yuli, Emerson Keith, and Colleen all at 58 and a half. Barella, Thomas Gilbert, Colton Montgomery, Ben Calloway, all at 59, uh, and Andrew Presnell at 59, Chris Clemens at 59 and a half, and Bradley Williams missed him at 58 and a half. So basically, all within a super small range, all within a stroke of each other. Yeah, this is a really um, tough one. This and this is, is really very, tough. very tough. Uh, and then on the finishing place side, um, we have Paul and Ricky finishing place, line set at four, Dickerson line set at five. Uh, Coling's line set at 13 and a half, Matty O at five and a half, Haley King at four and a half, Page at two and a half, and Cat at three and a half. The finishing place one is actually really interesting for this event because, like, you literally have to get past your round to get to a certain finishing yeah, place. Yeah, so you have to come in the top four in the first round to get to the second round, basically. Yeah, so it gets really interesting there. Um, but let's look at what we're uh, going to be picking here. So we're going to do one, a pick from each finishing place and the strokes. So, strokes round one. I went with a four-player flex play. So, I am feeling the Carolina boys. So, I'm going with the Yuli under and the Coling under. They're both Charlotte people. They both have played Hornets Nest enough. Uh, I know they didn't play it very well last year, but this is a new year. And then I'm going with the Ben Calloway over. He was projected at a 59. uh, Par out here is 62, by the way. He's projected at 59. I don't really think this course plays the Ben Calloway strengths. Um, so I'm taking the Callaway over yeah. and then I'm taking the Presnell under because I think this course does play to Presnell strengths. So I'm taking the Presnell under 59. So I got the Yuli, Colleen and Presnell under and the Callaway over as my four player flex play. So I went back and looked at the scores from last year to kind of double check my logic and the over just looks really good for this. And I, I'm this may just go completely the wrong way, but not a lot of people were like consistently shooting under like under par even. So I I was really liking the over, um, so I kind of took you know the over gang <laughs> with uh, Coling over fifty eight and a half, Emerson over fifty eight and a half, and Thomas Gilbert over fifty nine. Uh, and I'm which is your under? My under I took Presnell nice. because Presnell does have some success there. Um, so if I was gonna, I had to take an under, and this is a four. Hey, well, this is well, you have do you have Yuli and Coling? No, I don't have. Oh, Yuli. You, you have Coling. Yeah, just okay. Coling. So one of us is going to hit with Coling. Yeah, one of us. Um, probably me. But probably me. I think his like I I just thought I thought the lines were a little and they're probably getting me. 
I thought the lines were a little bit low based on scores last year, so I was like, mm, I don't know about this. But I'm taking the four person power four pick power play. Oh, you're going power play. Yeah. I love the power play. I'm going so power play for the finishing places. So am I. So I'm going to three play three person power play. I like the finishing place picks actually a lot. On the more. finishing place. So I got Dickerson on the under. Basically his place is at fifth, so he just has to make the finale. So I have Dickerson on the under. Haley Kings is at four and a half. So again, she just has to make the finale. So I have her on the under. And then Matty O's at five and a half. So I have him on the over. Basically saying that he's going to get to the semis, but then he's going to finish in sixth is what I'm saying there. Oh, you just have the three? I have, I have a so three-player power play. I have the same three, and then I have a fourth for the fourth, and that's Coling over 13 and a half. Ooh. Yeah, I'm pretty confident in that one. I don't think Coling is good for more than one round. So All right, we'll see. If USDGC. So if you want to if you want to play alongside us, you can head over to prizepicks.com and use code GRIP to get 100% match on up to your first $100 that you deposit uh, over at prizepicks.com. Uh, and you can check out if they're available in your state over on their website as well. So let's actually look at this Pro Tour finale. So basically what's going on is it starts with, on the MPO side, 32 players. Uh, out of each round, four players will advance. They all just go out and play a stroke play round. The top four uh, scores advance to the next round, and then uh, those four are met with, uh, what is it, 14 players that had a buy? Is that how that works? Yeah. yeah. So there's 18, uh, and then the best four come out of that, and they're met with eight players that had a buy or something like that, and then uh, you, the next four go on to the championship. So uh, we're not going to go through the entire bracket, like who all is there, but we'll go through our picks for the bracket um by the time the show comes out the bracket might have already locked but if not you can go over to udisc live and uh actually pick for the bushnell bracket challenge this bracket challenge is hard it, yeah. it's literally odds wise not as hard to pick as march madness but it's like it is a mystery because like at, like in the first round for example like march madness you, there's a, some there's like some lock-ins but this one like first round you could pick any literally any four players out of this first round, and you have probably just as good of a chance as any other picks. Especially if those <laughs> like, four players are Jeremy Colling, Paul Ulibarri, Bradley Williams, and Andrew Presnell, because that's who I picked, and I think that's who's advancing. Okay, uh, yeah, so I have um, Gannon Burr, okay. Ben Callaway, Bradley Williams, and Anthony Barella. So the only one we have in common is Bradley Williams. Yeah. A.B., not getting out of the first round. Probably not. But this does not seem like his course. I like picking people that I'm already going to be rooting for. It's just convenient. That's fair, but it's wrong. Uh, that's, why I pick, that's why I pick Carolina to win March Madness at least one bracket every <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, I do, I do have a Duke bracket every single year. Well, that's not too far of a stretch. Unless it was last year because you would have had to write them in. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, quarterfinals. <laughs> uh, I have Dickerson. Andrew Marweed, Matty O, and Paul Ulibarri advancing out of the quarterfinals. If Yuli gets knocked out in the first round, my bracket's kind of screwed. Yeah, I, I think you are dying on the wrong hill there because he literally didn't play well last time. But that's last year, man. He's not. He's probably worse this year. No, no, man. Okay, Yuli's going to come into this course and just shred it. Okay. It's going to become the Ulibarri nest when we're all done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yuli's nest. Uh, I have Dickerson, Drew Gibson, Matteo and Gannon Burr. So Gannon Burr is like my he's he your go he's off. your yeah. Yuli. Yeah, he is. Uh, then going out of the semis, I have Ricky, Paul, Conrad, and Dickerson. 
going to the finals. I've got the same, except instead of Conrad, I have Kyle Klein. Nice, nice. And then for the champion, I went with Paul McBeth. That was a bad choice. Paul does not historically have success at this event. I know, but like... And he just won a major, so he's probably not going to be... He's not going to be like, I'm out to prove something, thinking. Paul, and win, win a big event. But what it is I'm a lot of money. Is, what I'm thinking is a few things. One thing that's on the line is if he wins this event, it'll be the first season ever in PGA history that someone hits six figures cashing in one season. Mm, that's Big thing true. on the line. Uh, second thing, he's coming off a pretty hot putting round. Yeah. And Paul's putt's been what's you, holding him back most of the season. You definitely so. will have a Paul who no longer needs to prove himself, Paul, which I'm not sure is a good thing for him, though. That is true. Like for like some people would be like, "Hey, like all right, I'm set." But yeah. then for like for, for Paul, I feel like he's almost better when it's like I need to win. That's true. Paul does whenever, do better when whenever he's Paul like, is like overdue for a win. He just starts getting into contention every week, and you're like, "It's, it's almost there. It's almost there." And then he wins, and then it kind of resets. It's kind of how it is these days. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I've got I've got Dickerson winning because he just Boo, is so boring. Good. He's so good at this event. He is very good here. He's won it twice now. I think so. Dang. Which one of those times was in Florida, not at Hornets Nest, but still. I forgot they did that. I hope that they um, move the As of right side. now on the schedule, the location is TBD. Ooh, I like that. I don't think Hornet I think Hornets Nest. Here's the thing about Hornet's Nest. The front nine of Hornet's Nest is super original and fresh and like looks kind of signature, like the type of course that I could like remember from year to year. And then you get to the back nine and it's just Carolina Woods golf. Nothing wrong with it, but it's not memorable. So that's that's my thoughts on Hornet's Nest as a as a course. So like you finish now, to be fair, at least you you do finish at least on like a pretty iconic hole. So I'll give it that much. It's not a bad course, but no. I'd like to see it move. It's not like an event I'm like that needs to stay at Hornet's Nest every year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's also a very, very public park, if you know what I mean. Like it's one of those where it's like you could just have somebody like riding their bike right next to you. So that's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, that's a tough one too. Uh, on the FPO side, out of the first round, I've got Haley King, Lisa Fakus, Juliana Corver, and wow. Kat Mersh advancing out of the first round. Interesting. Oh, Going Cat to the semis. Yeah, it hurts my case once I heard her world ranking. But well, I'm she also has not played well at all this year. It may, look, I filled this out yesterday. That okay, calm down. I, I thought about going Deanne Carey or Heather Young. I probably should have, but I'm I don't going, have either of them coming out of the next round. So I'm it doesn't going matter. with the classic, like, just go with what you know based on the last event type thought here with Haley King, Kona, Heather Young, and Owen Scoggins because they all played well last week. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. But Yikes. it's locked in. Yikes. If Cat Merch makes it out of the first round. Well, now that I've said it, she's definitely not because I'm cursed. I'm saying if she does, like, I'll, I don't know. You'll owe me a blizzard. I think it's something. Give me a blizzard. Okay. Oh, so then I'll be owed three blizzards. I'm already like, owed I'm one not, from Brody and one from Connor. Cat I, kinda th- makes I it think out. it is kind of funny if we, like, continually bet blizzards to you so like I eventually but you owed, never like, you never <laughs> claim them it's like it's like brody with his dave and busters tickets like, i just like like having the blizzards that i'm owed you need to like we need to like print out blizzard bucks <laughs> or something <laughs> uh going from the semis into the finals i have Paige pierce missy gannon sarah hokum and Haley king i also have that oh we have the same four yeah wow uh and then i have i have, I have that one sarah hokum winning Another, it at all. another interesting i i have Haley king i don't so you went back to back with both i don't think uh Chris yeah dickerson won last it's year right the year of back to back dickerson so in what case world no 
USDGC, no. No, it's going uh, for this event. That's what I meant. Okay. I, yeah, I was a confusing statement. I can't pick somebody who doesn't putt well. And and Sarah Hokum just ne- it's not even but, like it's not but, even like she's streaky. She just doesn't. What putt if well. she does putt well? I keep this picking Sarah Hokum for stuff. No, she just do- she doesn't like that's but What a- if she did? No. But what if she's not even a streaky putter? She doesn't have it in but, her. But but now I me keep out. picking her because one. she keeps it in the fairway, and then she played the ultimate keep it in the fairway event and still didn't win. Hear me out on this. So one. like, what am I do to do with that? What if she did make putts this event? She might win by ten. All right, and then in that case, my pick. I'll be another blizzard. She wins by ten. All right, so I could be up to four blizzards. <laughs> we'll just, no, Silas will owe me a blizzard. If she wins You're by right. ten, Silas will owe me a blizzard. wins by ten, Silas will Hey, I have Haley King winning. Oh, Silas so has I, the I'm on Trevor's side. Okay, Heck who do you have on MPO? I have... I didn't even realize Silas had filled out a bracket. Yeah, I just filled one out. Oh, okay. He's playing <laughs> along. I, I have... Kevin Jones. Oh, that's, that's a actually good pick. a good pick because he that's does play pick. well at the finale. Yeah, I have my final being Ricky, Paul, Kevin, and Drew. Oh, I love it. Drew Gibson. I love it. Sneaky yeah. Drew. Yes. Dang. Great All picks. Right, Silas. Silas might win. I'm loving it. If Silas wins, I'll owe you a blizzard. I'll give you Connor will owe you a blizzard. There's so many blizzards just right, floating up that, in circulation right, right if now. You, if you win, Connor will owe you a blizzard vicariously. Dairy Queen me. is just licking their <laughs> lips right now. They're just, it's just free money. All right, let's wrap out the show with a make that call. It's been a while since we've done a make that call. Yeah. We're going to wrap the show out with a make that call. And this one was actually brought to me by Trevor. I, because he doesn't know the I answer. I promise you I didn't know the answer. This happened on Brody's card. Well, a scenario like this happened, and then we Brody and I talked about what would happen if this scenario was slightly different. What would you do? And then I was like, I'm going to bring that to Hunter for a make that call. So your card mate throws a shot. I'm painting a scenario. Here. Yes, your I can card very may, easily visualize it. Your cardmate has thrown a shot and has ended up leaning against the far side of a tree. He approaches the lie and can't get a good mark for his foot to be behind because there's a tree in the way. He proceeds to play from behind the tree. You're looking at it, scratching your head. Was it legal or do you call him on a foot fault? Yeah, so this is basically the question is the disc is flat up against the front side of a tree because what happened in, in the tournament was uh, a shot landed from another guy uh, landed in front of the tree, but it wasn't up on edge. It was just flat. So he was able to, he asked, can I mark behind the tree? And it was like, well, no, because you can mark in front of the disc and your disc is plenty enough room for your foot to get behind the disc. So that's not a problem. But then Brody was like, well, maybe if your disc was flat up against the tree, because then if you mark, you know, all you have is that little edge of the disc. So if you were really flat up against a tree, you can't get your foot behind that in theory. Like that's too thin of a, place for your foot to go so where does your foot go does it go up on the tree i don't don't think that doesn't make any sense so at that point this is like i actually ended up giving myself a tough one because like it it seems like there should be no way you're taking that from behind the tree but also i don't feel like it's a huge advantage and also i don't know what else you would do so i'm gonna say you can you think take it from behind the tree? yeah all right so i believe this is rule 803.02 okay it says, I believe this is also B. So 803.02 B. B. That's not in my notes. Okay. So that could be way off. If a, large solid, if a large solid obstacle prevents a player from taking a legal stance behind the marker disc or from marking a disc above or below the playing surface, the player may mark a new lie immediately behind that obstacle on the uh, line of play. So it is a rule. It okay. is a rule. I so if you can't get a le- I think it even applies to like picnic tables. Like, And wait, go, go ahead and d- read the rule exactly again. If This is copy trading. Okay. DJ. If a large solid obstacle prevents a player from taking a legal stance behind the marker disc or from marking a disc above or below the playing surface, the player may mark a new lie immediately behind the obstacle okay. on the line of play. I was going to see if it used any of those words like reasonable again to where you could just like no. pull it. But it says it, 
like unable to. So like you'd have to, that player basically would have to make a case to his card that, Hey, I cannot take this stance because I don't have enough room. So, okay. I like, that's actually a well-written rule for once. Good job. Out in the back PDGA. <laughs> that's interesting. Anyway, as far back, does it say as far back as you want or immediately behind the- immediately behind? Okay. That's another key piece of language. Well-written rule. Thank goodness for that. All right. Well, there you have it. Hopefully you enjoy this week's episode of grip locked. Uh, don't forget this Friday, tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern, foundationdisc.com, Crystal Flex Glow Nuke SSs. It's a mouthful. We'll Heck be dropping. Yeah. Uh, and they're sick. They're pretty freaking sick. They feel amazing. We actually haven't had a chance to throw them yet. Um, by the time you've watched this, there probably already has been a video of us throwing them, so that might be confusing, but we're about to go film that after this. Um, but pretty excited to get to, th- get to the field and give them a toss, um, play a little toss golf with them. Um, but. Golf. Yeah, so definitely check that out Friday you know what I 5 p.m. Eastern. Is we don't use the term golf disc nearly enough. Golf disc. That's a, such a cool term. Can I? I'm going to go ahead and claim that in my imaginary intellectual property for potential merch. Golf disc? Like foundation golf discs. It's a cool, it's like a like hipster way to say, say like discs basically, because it's like technically the correct term. I don't know. I could, I could see it. Can okay. you see it? No. We should we should need to start saying golf disc more. It's way cool. Like oh, well, we're dropping this some is a pretty, really good golf pretty disc. sick Crystal Flex Glow golf discs. <laughs> Thank you. See Friday. It sounds cool. <laughs> um, so you definitely, are, if you want to check those out, Patreon, uh, Concrete, and Marble members, clubs, we'll be discs. getting early access to that. Also, if you're a Patreon member for five bucks a month, Foundation Nation, you'll get access to what we're about to shoot, the Bogey Row Banner. Uh, we shoot that every single week, and you get access to all the previous episodes as well. Um, as well as one exclusive video per month. So you can check all that over on patreon.com slash foundation disc golf. And other than that, we will talk to you all next week.